Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Equal Play. This week, we're chopping it up with the number one overall pick from the 2000 WNBA draft, a WNBA champion and an all-star, a EuroLeague champ multiple times over, an Olympian, and now the assistant coach, one of the assistant coaches with the Chicago Sky for the upcoming 2022 WNBA season, and Waters. Wow, thank you so much for, for making time for us here at Equal Play. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. <laughs> of course, of course. It's it's an honor to have you on. And I got to give a shout out to uh, my friend over at Just Women Sports, Rachel Galligan, for breaking the news of your hire with the Chicago Sky. And I wonder if we could just start with, you know, how this all came to be. I know you and James Wade go way back. So when did conversations start? When did he start recruiting you for this position? <laughs> Well, as you said, I've known James for uh, more than 20 years, I will say. So I met James for the first time when I was playing in France together with his future wife. And uh, so we, we built a relationship um, because afterwards I went to play in Russia with his wife. We played together in San Antonio. So I've known James for a while. But so, of course, we, we, stayed, we stayed connected. But I was still really, really um, chasing my Olympic dream. So I wasn't about to retire because I really, really wanted to be at those Olympics. And then with the postponement, it was a year longer. But after, um, well, this summer when I finally retired, um, I felt like I had to step away a little bit from basketball. So I wasn't expecting anything. And I was like, just, yeah, I need some time away from basketball. But then James called. <laughs> and um, I don't know, it must have been somewhere, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I guess it was somewhere at the end of December. So it, it's all pretty fast. Um, but I felt right away um, a lot of desire, a lot of passion. And I was like, oh, I, to be honest, I was sold right away. <laughs> I was yeah. really excited. Um, that first of all, he thought of me um, because, of course, all of leaving the staff, um, he had an extra, an extra space for in in his coaching staff, and um, to me, it's just like an amazing opportunity to be able uh, to be part of of the coaching staff and coming to a, a team that has just won a championship. It's just like really, really amazing. 
Yeah. Before we get too much into, you know, obviously everything that you're going to do with the Chicago sky, this upcoming season, I want to go back to the beginning of your career. And obviously you made history when you were drafted first overall, you became the youngest player in the WNBA at the time. And at that time in your career, I've read that, you know, that opportunity you were prepared for, but still the shock of it was, was very real for you when it actually came to fruition. So at that time, how were you preparing for a career in the WNBA when it was still so early in the league's existence? Exactly. So we go way back. And um, to be honest, it was just like a whole new world that opened up for me. And I had no idea how to prepare for it. I was playing in France already back then, uh, and I had just finished uh, my second professional career, uh, my, my uh, season. Um, but when I arrived in Cleveland, I felt it right away that it was just on, a, on another level. It was just so much more competitive. Uh, it was also, for me, much more physical. So I had to get used to, to the physicality of the, of, of the game. and. Um, so it, it wasn't easy, but at the same time, when Cleveland they drafted me, they knew that they drafted a young player. So I didn't have all the pressure that some future um, number one picks had. So to me, it was really also a transition into getting used to it. And uh, to be honest, it was also really nice not, you know, like putting uh, tons of pressure on me, especially now in that first year. Um, so to me, it was a lot of learning. Uh, it was getting tougher definitely physically, but also mentally, you know, and um, I think that first season uh, has helped me a lot, like to toughen up, and um, that's, I think, where I really made big steps also in, in my own development as a player. Then I went back to Europe, played there, and I came back, so then, you know, I, I became a, a stronger player, that's for sure. Yeah, I wonder for you and, and other players maybe overseas what that mentality was like when you were younger and having dreams of playing professional basketball because I've spoken obviously to so many players in the WNBA who who maybe can speak about the fact that for a long time there wasn't a league to aspire to. So when you were younger and and playing the game and and first establishing these dreams of, of maybe playing professional basketball, how did you, what, what mentality did you have as far as opportunities go and how you were going to pursue different opportunities? Well, like you said, I didn't have any examples in front of me. I didn't have like really role models. So, and for a long, long time, I didn't know that you could become a professional basketball uh, player. I do remember the first time the WNBA started those commercials they came all the way through Europe so I do remember that first commercial and that had impact on me because I remember Lisa Leslie in it and I do remember Shell Swoops and um, I think it was a Chinese player I don't remember her name but I I remember those trio like that trio that made like a huge impact on me and then I had like such a feeling like huh yeah, that would be cool. I want to play one day in the WNBA. So that was like the first visual, to be really honest, I had. And then, yeah, things happened pretty fast for me because then only four years later, I was already there. I was already in that WNBA. But I think it, it's so important, maybe, of course, also because I'm a mom right now, but having those, um, you know, examples in front of me, people that you can look up to, 
and also you know that my daughter she doesn't even ask like she doesn't question it anymore it is possible of course why not why can't you be a professional basketball player so those things have evolved really really quickly and that is of course um that has a lot to do with, with the whole WNBA and uh I think that's just really really neat to see it to see that evolution also in those past 25 years yeah you know I think that for people in in my generation too even it's almost we take for granted how lucky we are that we got to see it because that mentality that it was just possible period was, was natural to us. There was no question of what we could be, or or if we wanted to pursue an athletic career, there was no question of whether or not we would be able to, it was, we were able to dream it because we saw it. So that's really a powerful message. And you know, this, this job in Chicago, I know from reading about you and and your early career that you used to watch Michael Jordan highlights <laughs> and clips. I yes. So I I wonder if you could elaborate a little bit on your fandom of of Jordan and and the championship years here with the Bulls and what your excitement is in terms of of joining this city of of true basketball uh, greatness in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Well, that is amazing. And I can feel it, to be really honest. So today here in Belgium, um, like everybody also was reading the news that I was joining uh, uh, the staff in Chicago. And you can feel it. What kind of an impact. Even people that don't even know basketball, they know Chicago. They're like, oh, my God, Chicago. You go into Chicago. Whoa. And the booth. So then I do realize what kind of a huge impact that whole area has had, even on people that not necessarily follow basketball. So uh, for me, especially growing up, um, I didn't, my family wasn't like a really basketball family. So I wasn't familiar with the whole NBA. I wasn't, uh, but I do remember that I got like, you know, those, uh, those VHS tapes, maybe you will not remember that, but I, I got yeah. one. And um, those, the, on that tape, they were like highlights of Michael Jordan and that's the first time that I really saw some of Michael Jordan so I haven't seen him in a game or anything and I do remember that I just watched it over and over again and I was just impressed overwhelmed uh, oh my god what like and um I was trying to imitate him unfortunately that didn't that was a little bit hard <laughs> but um it's it just, and then afterwards, of course, I, I started also to follow it a little bit more um, and, and got to see, I never got to see him in, uh, in, in, in real life, but then when you watch the game, it was just like so unbelievable, great. Um, and even until now, I think, uh, especially uh, when you were born before that, you, right. you remember that area and, and that it's just, uh, I don't say better or, or that it nowadays is better, but it's just something that was uh, was an unbelievable uh, time. And what he has done, I think, for basketball, I think nobody can really uh, put it into words of what kind of an impact he has had just by being himself and, and being and, and playing at that kind of a level, but also by winning for Chicago with the Bulls. I think that made him, of course, like, um, so huge and uh, I think like that's just 
unbelievable what um, what Michael Jordan has done. But not only, of course, for the city, just I would say for the whole basketball community. And now to be uh, to be able now to be, be like coming to Chicago, it, it is something special. I, I do, I do. <laughs> feel it and then a lot of people are talking to me about it and you're like wow you know it's like so excited for me <laughs> yeah you know chicago is in constant competition with los angeles and new york as as these basketball meccas in the world and one thing that obviously chicago has always had is is the great years of that michael jordan was here and and the six championships that they won and so when the sky won the championship in in last season in 2021 there was this this energy around the city again of of basketball excellence once again returning to the city and it was really special to see it being brought back to the city by the Chicago Sky, Candace Parker, Courtney Vandersloot like yeah. it was it was a really special time and it's going to be exciting to see how you all try to replicate or, or bring that excellence back to the city once again in 2022. But, you know, in your career, you spent years in the WNBA and then years overseas. And, and your career in the WNBA was broken up sporadically by, by years playing overseas. And I wonder for you during that time in your career, what led to those decisions to maybe take a year off from the WNBA and then return and, and how that impacted your career positively, negatively, however you, you saw it impacting your career? Yeah, that's a good question. I think uh, when I look back at it, um, I think a lot of times it was um, around my national team. And I think a lot of uh, European players always have that kind of difficult decision they have to make. And so, for example, in 2003, I didn't come back. And in 2007, I didn't come back. And back then, it was always like summers where there was a, a European championship, which uh, led to qualification for the Olympics, which is right. always like huge. And it was already my dream back then to qualify also for Belgium, with Belgium to go to the Olympics. It didn't happen back then. Uh, it only happened really at the end of my career. But I think those decisions were, were never easy as a European player. Um, and, uh, and then more later on in my career, then there were also some times that I just didn't come by because it was getting also a little bit tougher physically to play a year, a year round. I also had started a family, so I also wanted to spend some time with them. But at the same time, the two summers I did come back uh, with my family and with kids, the first summer in 2012 uh, with Seattle, they were just babies. Uh, so they don't really remember anything, but it was still a really cool experience. And then four years later, I did come back also uh, with the LA to win the championship. And my kids were already um, kind of old enough to, to remember that experience. And when I look back, that's one of the best summers we've ever spent together. So that's uh, and, like, that was just an unbelievable great experience. But it's just about like decision-making and coming to the WNBA or playing overseas that I think a lot of times was um, uh, around the national team. If we had like a big tournament or not, um, and depending on that, I would make decisions. And even today, players are still tasked with navigating that decision. And now, you know, as a coach, 
part of part of I'm sure your your job is is you know advising players on on decisions they make, et cetera, whether that's you know a decision like foregoing a WNBA season or a decision on the court. But that decision is something that people even outside of basketball can relate to in, in that every day people are tasked with these decisions as far as their career goes, their family goes. So in your decision making, how did you go about um, navigating that and figuring out what was the best choice for you? And what advice have you given other players in making those those same decisions? Well, like you said, I think everybody in life, we all have to make so many decisions. And, and it's like you said, uh, navigating through that, it's, it's not always that easy. But if you stay really close to yourself and if you really feel like instinctively really what, what are your preferences, I think then you already know the answer. But um, I admit that something, uh, especially those decisions, um, they can have a big impact. So now right. when I look back, sometimes I, I do wonder maybe if I would have prioritized a little bit more the WNBA, how would my career uh, look like? Um, so it's always those decisions. And I made them at the time because it, they felt best at that time. And for sure, I don't regret them because regretting is something I don't really like. When you make a decision, you have to go really uh, 100% for it. But um, advising other players, it's also always a little bit the same. Like really ask yourself and staying as close as possible to yourself. Um, sometimes uh, it helps me making like some a pro list and a contra list and, and advantages and disadvantages and I'm trying to, to weigh in. Um, that can help, of course. But other than that, I think it, it, it's just important to really uh, understand where um, what you really, really want and, and where you're passionate about. Absolutely. And in your career, you've played with so many legendary players. I mean, you yourself are, are a legendary player here in the WNBA and in Belgium and in Europe and, and everything that you accomplished, your resume speaks for itself. But one play, player in particular is Candace Parker and your ties obviously go back way back but there are two specific years I'm intrigued by and, and, and want some background on, and that's 2008 and 2016. Oh, yeah. 2008, I've, I've spoken to Edvige about and, um, you know, other players from, from the Silver Stars. And that was a year that, that was really historic for Candace. And one thing she's talked about is how you all knocked her team out of the Western Conference Finals. And so that year, what was special about what you all had going on in San Antonio? And can you take us back to that series and how tough it was going up against her, Lisa Leslie, and everybody else on, on the Sparks roster? Yeah, I do remember that because, okay, that was one of our best seasons also uh, with San Antonio. And uh, to be honest, we also had a really good team. Uh, we clicked really well together, I would say. Uh, of course, we had Becky Hammond, uh, we had Sophia Young, but we also had T.T. Johnson, who had a lot of experience. And uh, we had a good mix, I think, of people that knew their role really well, that uh, wanted to work hard for each other. And uh, I do remember that year, Canada's first year in the WNBA as a rookie, played like tremendously well. and. Um, 
that pressure that I maybe didn't really have as a first pick. Well, I think she had it. Yeah. <laughs> and she handled that unbelievably well. But um, that Western Conference Finals, I do remember that. It was just a battle, a battle, a battle. Oh, my God. And especially within the bigs, you know, uh, with Lisa, with Candace. But you also had Denisha Milton, who yeah. was on the court. They were big. They were huge. And we were like, uh, we had a tough time with them because they would go for every single rebound to all the ports. And, um, but at the end, um, we end up winning and uh, kind of upsetting them. Um, which was like one of the, the craziest games and, and winning on a buzzer with the yes, young shot. Like those are the moments, of course, you will always remember. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, yeah, then we went all the way yeah, to finals, but unfortunately we didn't make it all the way then. But okay. It's okay. We <laughs> but, don't need to uh, talk yeah. about that. Okay. Let's, uh, let's forget about that. But then once we got to finals, yeah, it was really special. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and beating, of course, Candace, um who was like the upcoming star and playing uh, at a really high level. And then together with Lisa Leslie, who was trying to kind of give all her experience uh, to Candice, um, that was a tough, tough matchup for us, but uh, a competitive one. And I really yeah. enjoyed every single minute of it. <laughs> yeah, it's still, I think for a lot of fans, one of the best series in WNBA history. I think a lot of fans still love to go back to that series that you all had in 2008. And you know, something I saw recently was, was Candace, a tribute video she made for you, uh, during your retirement or, or following your retirement and, or in celebration of your yeah. retirement, <laughs> but she talked about your moves and watching this one move in particular that you, you had in, in your arsenal and, and then mirroring it throughout her career. And now you know, you're joining this sky roster who Candace is part of. And it also includes right now as Ray Stevens, you know, we're still in the thick of free agency, so we don't have that solidified roster quite yet, but you know, as Ray will be back too. And, and a lot of people love to talk about her growth in this league and, and the way that she's thrived under Candace's Parker, Candace Parker's leadership. So coming in, what are you excited about, you know, in, in helping the big specifically and, and specifically Azrae Stevens and, and her development. Yeah, I really look forward because of course, you know, I will always, always have that kind of special eye for the bigs and, and that's uh, natural because it was my position. And I do look forward yeah, to work with them. And as we go through free agency, we can hopefully uh, soon tell more about it. But um, already with Candace, I think it's always great any young player can just by being with her, working every single day with her on the court, you just get better already. Um, but uh, I particularly look forward also, yes, to work with, with, with Stevens because I've seen her play um, and I do think she still has a lot of uh, potential. She can still be like, still better. And, and I think we'll expect that of her also coming in this season. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's really an exciting player because she is... Uh, She's long, she's athletic, um, she has great moves. Uh, so it's, it's something like a complete player, versatile player. And I, that, uh, those players are really fun to work with, I would say. And, and I really look forward also to, uh, to kind of um, share my experiences with her. Absolutely. And, you know, your relationship uh, or your history in the WNBA and its, its crossover with players like Candace Parker now, 
you know, once a teammate or first a competitor, then a teammate, and now a, a player that, that you're going to help coach. Can you speak to the, the uniqueness that exists in the WNBA and that there is so much crossover, whether it's, you know, a competitor turned teammate overseas or someone like James, you know, someone who you've known for years because of playing with, with his wife. And, and now it, Candace Parker, someone you've won a championship with and now will work with as a coach player relationship. How unique is the WNBA in, in establishing that type of dynamic? Well, it's, it's great because uh, like you said, there are different roles within every organization. And you see now also a lot of players that are retired that find their way into those different roles, sometimes in a coaching staff, but even sometimes in front offices. So that's really cool to see it. And that, that possibility is there too. I think it's an important message again, over and over, not only that it's possible to be a pro basketball player, but as a woman, you can also have like uh, a job in a WNBA team, even in an NBA team. So those are, are good examples, of course. And um, those uh, cross relationships, I would call them, they're really fun because um, at the end, yes, uh, the basketball world is not a huge world. So that's uh, always like a little bit, it feels like coming home, you know, like yeah. I, I look forward to really see a lot of players that maybe because of the distance I haven't seen in a couple of years. And I know that I will be so excited to catch up with them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then it, it always feels like, ah, is it really been like three, four years that we haven't seen each other? Like you, you have that natural like kind of click that you have with, with people and, and you, you can catch up with them. And, and so that's always like a great feeling. And um, that is pretty special, to be honest, yeah, for the WNBA, because some of the players, they do go overseas, some, some of them, they don't. Uh, and then, uh, but once you meet again, then it always feels like kind of like, like you just love them, you know, yeah. like it's really special, yeah. And we heard that a lot this offseason in, in various coaching hires. One was obviously your former teammate, Becky Hammond, being hired by the Las Vegas Aces. And sh- she said similar sentiments in that, you know, her return to the WNBA felt like coming home. And so this place that the WNBA is at right now in making hires that are women, that are former players, what kind of confidence do you have in the way that the league is evolving and evolving in, in a very diverse way that's that's reflective of the league itself? It's only positive, I would say, because uh, uh, I can only applaud the diversity. I think it's something um, that is necessary, uh, not only in the sports world, I would say, uh, in the world entirely, but yeah. I think the sports world uh, can always uh, be like a, a little bit of a role model, and especially uh, for us, for professional women's sports, it is crucial to give a good example and also to have uh, women in really different kind of positions and different roles and um, to really have that kind of example also to show the world, I would say. In all honesty, here in Belgium, I am talking about the WNBA being a really great example because um, that's something we can learn from, we can look up to, and I try, I hope at least we can try to copy here also. Definitely. I mean, I think you know, having covered other leagues, I think the WNBA does set the standard. And so this past off season, seeing the coaching hires that were made, it was really, you know, special that it's not just something that the league talks about, but they're, they're putting action behind it and, and, and 
hires that are happening and, and ways that the league is changing. So in a recent interview with CNN, I, I heard you talk about, you know, this summer and obviously the pride you had in, in making your Olympic dream come true. But something that really stood out to me was that you talked about um, the most valuable thing in your career was not, you know, the championships or, or the accolades per se, but rather the lessons that you learned. And so I wonder what lesson you're going to carry or what lessons you're going to carry into your career now as a coach. Well, yeah, first of all, when we talk about diversity, I am so thankful that I could travel the world to mm-hmm. my basketball, you know, that already opened up, you know, my, my sight, my, my vision of the world. So that's already something, a big, a huge lesson, I would say. But then within a team, working together, I've always loved, like, how you start a season with a group of people and you start to work. And you start to work on a daily basis, step by step towards that one common goal. And that is winning together at the end of the season. So that process, that dynamics, I loved it. And it has everything to do with teamwork. And it has to do with um, understanding the power of, of, of the discipline to work every single day to be able to, to, to try at least to become better every single day, even if it's that 1%, but okay, we're building, we're building. Um, it's also about trusting each other. I think that's something that I really, really am so, um, uh, I, I am so well believed that like without trust, it's just impossible to build success. And that is easier said than done. And totally. I think it's something that we really have to work on on a daily basis. Also, how can we trust each other? How can the coaching staff trust the players? How can the players trust the coaching staff? And all that dynamics, I think, are really, really important. And um, that's something that I will definitely pay attention to as well. Um, not only, like, you know, uh, of course, as coaches, do you always have your eye on, on the specific basketball paths that are right there in front of you but really understanding also how to manage people also how mm. to how to manage a team it's it's a season that is not that long but there's a many games so that all needs uh, um, <clears throat> a lot of care a lot of management as well so those things are are important to be able um think at least and try to play your best basketball at the right time definitely and you talked earlier in this episode about you know, taking some time off from basketball and then James reaching out to you uh, about this, this opportunity, what made this, this one, the right one. And, and were you planning on, you know, taking more time off and, and this just was too good to pass up. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah. Like I said, so I was taking uh, some time away from basketball. Um, I was focusing on, uh, to be honest with you, keynotes about uh, teamwork, about trusting each other, about resilience, uh, all those beautiful things, all those skills you have to learn. And, um, and, and I was like, like sharing my experiences, but on a different way with companies, with organizations. Uh-huh. And I really liked it too, because it also, again, it was a little bit different in a different world. I've met other people that were not necessarily into sports. So I did think it was very interesting too. And I've learned also a lot uh, from uh, the corporate world. At the same time, when James called that situation, like you just said, it was just too good. Like I've known James, but I've known also Emrich. I've worked with Emre in Turkey, Tanya within the staff. So like feeling comfortable also, I guess, 
in a new environment, in a new, yeah, for me, a really different, a new role in a coaching staff is also important to me to be able to, to perform at my best. I also have to feel comfortable. And then at the same time, um, knowing that Candice was going to be there, uh, probably uh, Van der Sloot, Courtney will be back. And that is something I've, I've played with those players. So then it, that it would feel also a little bit more natural to have that connection with them that helped all that I was just, I was telling uh, my wife also this situation is just like that's too perfect to be true. And I just have to grab that opportunity with my two hands. Yeah, you know, wrapping up here, I just have a few more questions for you, but I do need to know as a former teammate of Candace and you played both in the WNBA with her and overseas um, on UMMC Ekaterinburg, so did you have you you also played with Courtney? I wonder if you could give us like a fun story, a teammate story that now uh, I don't know you'll you had with with them during your playing career. Yeah, well, Candice, I'll go way back. Um, the first time she came over to Russia, Leila was just born. She was really young. And um, so uh, I played against her in the WNBA and then I became her teammate in Russia. So she came there with Leila and she had, she was like that worried mom also a little bit, like going to a foreign country and not knowing like, are they going to have baby food? Are they going to have so Candice, so the first time she came uh, to Russia, we were there in, in the apartment, like trying to welcome her. And she had uh, sent all those boxes, but I don't know how many boxes with baby food. Like, they're like this baby food. I feel like, Candace, they have stores here, you know? It's Russia, but they do have stores. They have baby food. Don't worry. <laughs> and that was just something like, she was like, oh, I didn't know what to expect. And would they have this or that? And like, she had just sent like, I don't know how many boxes, but we were a little bit impressed. We were like, oh my God. <laughs> so she's, she's always been over-prepared. Candace Parker has yeah, always she, been over-prepared. She was prepared. Yeah, that's for sure. And then we built a relationship um, because, yeah, for her, like uh, being a young mom, also being a professional basketball player, and uh, she did have some help, but we were also there to assist her uh, with Leila. And now also, to be honest, seeing Leila and seeing her growing up, it's also something uh, that is quite special. And then with Courtney, uh, another story with her, I played more towards the end of my career in Turkey. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was she was a player. Um, yeah, that, that point guard connection with the big is always Always important. <laughs> I mean, she's know, like got magic powers. Yeah, it's like, so like she will feed you, and it was like just fun. You would just have to lay it in, and I was like, "Ooh, this is nice to thank you." <laughs> <laughs> but um, she, what what stood out to me with Courtney is, um, she was a player. She could not take a day off. She was like always there, and she was like something even. Um, she's like, yeah, I don't feel good when I take a day off. I just have to come to the gym. I have to, I have to make that workout and then I'll feel better. Like she's really, really a, a hard working player. And uh, sometimes we would also, I was also more so that type. I always loved to work hard and, and practice stuff. But Courtney, it was like, she could not take a day off. So it was something special that I saw within her, that uh, competitiveness and the will to really also become better and better and every single day to work on her game. 
Um, that was something special. And of course, like always, the work always pays off. So when you see now at what kind of level she's playing, pretty amazing. Yeah, you know, it is amazing. And you two share something similar in that that WNBA championship came, you know, later in your career. So speaking to her work ethic, what can you say about what that championship must have meant to a player like Courtney and, and also what your championship meant to you when you finally were able to claim that status as a WNBA champion? Yeah, it is special. And um, in all honesty, now when you, when you retire, you look back at, like you said, the championships or the accolades and even more so for all the relationships you've built. But that one was really special, you know, to really become also like a WNBA champion. It, it's some validation, I would say, to, to all the work you put in, to all the, the also sacrifices you have to make. So I understand and that's why when I was there with Candace, uh, I understood also really well. Uh, she had been going through like some tough seasons too with, with heartbreaking losses at the end of, of the playoffs. And for Courtney as well, I think like winning that WNBA championship, that it, it means a lot. And now I can tell you that they're hungry for more. I know it. I just know it that they... They will be so excited, you know, because once you taste it also, you'd like to taste it again. (laughs) I know it's, it's funny because obviously covering the team conversations are had throughout the season and then immediately after the championship and then a little time passes and you talk again. And it's so funny to hear the players talk about that build up to winning the championship then enjoying the moment of the championship. And then in this last conversation I had with Courtney, which was, I think in December, you could hear the, the desire is, is back. Like there's no settling with, with just one. And, And that's, I think for any, any competitor. And so as we wrap up here today, I, I would love to know what, what you're doing now in preparation for the season, like what your schedule looks like right now, and also what your expectations are for the 2022 season. Yeah, so right now I'm, I'm trying to, to work in a little bit in a new role, and uh, we do already have uh, coaching meetings um, so to get to know each other, but also, of course, uh, talking about free agency, but also looking around what's going on, uh, even on the college level, but also here in Europe, um, I do follow... Uh, some of the European games and, and even the players that are on the sky, like, of course, we, we watch them a little bit more. <laughs> um, so that is, those are like some things that, that I'm doing right now. Um, but also, um, I, I, I still have to learn also a lot. I do feel it even about uh, a scouting report or watching film with another eye. Like, those are things that, that I'm also eager to learn. And I know that with the staff that we have, like the people are really welcoming me and, and helping me out. So those things uh, I definitely have to catch up um, on. Uh, and on the other hand, I still um, doing some of my other work, uh, like giving keynotes to uh, to uh, business, like corporate settings, uh, organizations. Um, still with the COVID, it's a lot of times still digital, but okay, sometimes there are some physical events, uh, smaller events that are possible. So those things I'm doing right now. But then, of course, uh, the season will be there, like, really, it's just around the corner. So uh-huh. uh, it's also preparing that, like, uh, 
um, moving to Chicago, of course, there's a lot of practical things that have to be <laughs> right. arranged. And uh, so that, uh, that's something that I'm doing right now. And you talked about your family joining you at various points in, in your career while you were playing in the WNBA. Is your entire family going to spend the summer in Chicago or how, how is that going to work? Yeah, that was important to me too, because uh, I like, of course, to spend the much, uh, as much time as possible with them. Uh, but of course, they also go to school, so we can't break like the whole routine for them here. Uh, but they will be able to come uh, during spring break and then, of course, during the longer summer break. So they will be also excited to, to spend a lot of time uh, in Chicago. In <laughs> well, Chicago is absolutely incredible in the summer. It's not so great in the winter. We're like negative 10 <laughs> degrees out today. So it's Ooh, the cool. summertime is, is the perfect time for, for kids to be in town. And, you know, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting to know you better this summer and, and reporting on everything that, that goes on with the sky during free agency, during the yeah. season and, and in pursuit of, of another championship. So before I let you go, I, I always ask my guests this question and that is, you know, what is your hope for the future of women in sports? Oh, in general, I think, um, like we, we've talked already a little bit about it. I've seen a big positive evolution and, um, I think it's, it's important to really understand that, like where we've come from, where we are, but where we can still go mm-hmm. to. And that is something that is a method that is so important. And I do believe that in the next decade, uh, women's sports will still go like on another level and it will be still a completely different way how we watch them, how we are reporting them. Um, and I think it's important to, to give a good example. And I know the WNBA has done already a lot and it's really there. It, it sets uh, high standards, but it also sets uh, the standards for other competitions and other countries. Um, and it's something that we really look closely uh, to because uh, I am involved here also for in Belgium um, to, to make people aware of it. Like uh, where we come from, which is already a big a positive evolution, but where we can still make some improvements, where we can still uh, really um, aim for better and, and set the standard higher. So I do believe that in the next decade, we can see um, some big progression. And my hope especially is, and I think we're almost there, that I have one son, I have two daughters, that they can grow up with exactly the same mindset, with exactly the same dreams, with exactly... And knowing that they can achieve anything where they put their mind to. That is so perfectly said. And I, I could not agree with you more, even from a reporting standpoint. It's so wild to see the evolution of how reporters are even covering the league and, and this free agency specifically. The news has been nonstop. So it's really exciting to think about where this league specifically is headed and, and will be in the next 10 years. And it's because of uh, women and, and people like yourself that we're here right now. So, and I can't thank you enough for joining us on Equal Play. It's been a pleasure talking to you and I look forward to reporting more on the team and yourself this season. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. 
New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.